Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Welcome to the Provoke Media podcast. This is Arun Sudharman um, in Hong Kong, and I'm joined by Emma Dale, who's the MD Prospect Resourcing, uh, and you're in the UK, Emma. I am. I relocated last year, Aaron. So um, starting my day very early, let's put it that way, to still be running the Asia business. Indeed. So yeah, yeah. it feels yeah. like half, feels like lunchtime already and it's only nine in the morning. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, you're probably halfway through the day, even though it's yeah. only 9, 9 a.m. over there. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. We're here to talk once again about the state of the industry report. We, we talked about this 12 months ago. Um, that was the 2020 version. Uh, it's produced by Prospect and Public Affairs Asia. Uh, it surveys um, more than 300 communications and corporate affairs professionals throughout Asia Pacific. But a lot has changed in 12 months. Uh, and I Absolutely. think when we did this conversation last year, you know, I don't remember if we, we, we did talk about the pandemic, as I recall, because there was, there was conversation about working at home yeah, it just started really, hadn't it? Yeah. Um, it and we'd also, it was also on the back of the 2019 protests in Hong Kong. Right, yeah. So, yeah, there's been a lot going on in this part of the world. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I want to start with um, the one of the first findings that, that kind of emerges um, from, from this year's study uh, and it's about compensation and job satisfaction so first of all 10 percent of of respondents experienced a decrease in pay 40 uh, percent received the same salary as 2019 um, uh-huh. agencies bore the brunt of the hardship three times as many agency staff reporting reduced salaries compared to in-house staff Despite that, however, the vast majority of professionals, 80% reported themselves satisfied with their current compensation and job. Only 6% described themselves as extremely satisfied. Has it taken a pandemic um, to to make people realize, um, you know, not to discount what they've got? Maybe, I mean, I think the biggest surprise was around job satisfaction. Mm. Um, you know, the vast majority of people, 80%, as you say, describe being satisfied. 6% said they were extremely dissatisfied. Mm. Um, 80% said satisfied. And I think that goes, that says a lot. That says that, yes, salary is important, um, but it's actually the intangible benefits um, that go a long way too. So mm. obviously that's clearly being satisfied in their job with their team, you know, the camaraderie, team culture, the the career trajectory. And I think Mm. there was an element of people actually just being grateful they had a job. Mm. Um, I mean, to a large extent, the market in Asia Pacific was spared the uh, the, uh, mass job cuts and redundancies that we saw in other regions. You know, they Mm. reacted quickly. Um, 
Asia has certainly come out of this or is coming out of this quicker than other nations. Um, but when I was doing my interviews with heads of comms or MDs, they definitely said they were having to take a pay cut for a certain mm -hmm. amount of time. Yeah. So that, that information was not obviously shown in the results of 40% uh, receiving the same salary. But I, what, I'm, what I mean is there were individuals that just either didn't take pay or reduced their pay for a while whilst things were managed. Um, yeah, because yeah. I actually thought the 10% decrease was, was less than I expected, given the, um, the fairly significant pay cuts that people took, although those were temporary. They were temporary and they were taken so that the more junior members of the team weren't impacted. Mm. So 10% expecting, sorry, 10% experiencing a decrease was about what I thought mm -hmm. based on my conversations I'd had with other senior individuals. Mm. I think everybody was trying really hard not to let it impact staff, talent, development, and certainly didn't want to make people redundant unless they really had to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you talked a little bit about the factors that you think are behind the high job satisfaction levels. Um, mm. Do you think that the crisis has brought people closer together, um, whether that's on the agency side or, or in-house? Well, to a certain extent, yes, um, everyone's in it. It, it. It's a problem with every single person in that company. Actually, it's an issue with everybody in the world. Mm. However, I do think it's been hard to keep people together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're all remote. So that has been a huge challenge for business leaders to keep all the team engaged. Um, but I do, yeah, it is, a, it is a global issue. It has not been down to an individual. I think people were trying their hardest to keep going, to be a team, to have a camaraderie spirit. But clearly mm. that has been very challenging at times for people to do that. Mm. The, um, the, the other finding that, that jumps out is around the value uh, of the communications mm. function. Um, you, you, you said 71% of agency respondents and 100% of in-house respondents observed a greater appreciation of the value and importance of the communications function. Um, so our, our own research has, has borne this out and, and, you know, anecdotally, we hear the same thing too. Why, what were the reasons um, in your research and in your conversations what were the reasons behind um, the kind of value of, of the communications function um, mm. being, I suppose, more recognised over the last 12 months? Because of the involvement of the C-suite. I think mm. it became very, very clear with heads of comms, certainly, that they were now going to be part of business discussions and decision-making that they hadn't been involved in as much before. So suddenly the C-suite were the absolute stakeholder. And it, it certainly showed also in agency that the agents, agencies were supporting their in-house functions in a very different way. 
we really did see a drop in the need for product work or uh, brand marketing or media even to a certain extent and a lot more importance towards strategic counsel internal communications digital mm-hmm. and i think that's going to continue mm-hmm. um i think people are hoping it's going to continue anyway yeah. you know once you've got that level of seniority in your business and the c-suite totally value what comms offers you want to maintain that mm. that seems to be one of the big concerns now is that yes there's been a businesses have been on a crisis footing for a year now that has helped remind everyone of the value of communications if they needed reminding and i think in many cases they probably did i agree how does the communications function not i suppose squander this um this kind of surge in recognition make sure that it's maintained is that something that respondents are concerned about i think it is absolutely a concern to people how are they going to maintain this how is it going to continue when hopefully the pandemic doesn't have such an impact on their business um but when we spoke to agency heads and in-house leaders the biggest challenge that they were concerned about was are their teams actually capable of providing the level of advisory that's now required mm-hmm. so if, if if they are if they are um if they have the teams that are total trusted advised c suite i think that will continue i think the concern is that agency heads are now looking at their teams and thinking right how are we going to deal with the gaps in expertise here and they need to be filled really quickly in order to keep that value of the comms function and what they do mm-hmm. so we have definitely seen leaders prioritizing training in 2021 to really make sure they're upskilling their staff to make sure the people are able to deliver high value strategic advisory mm-hmm. so let's hope that happens mm-hmm. where are the where do you see the particular areas uh, in which in-house teams in particular are looking to upskill are there kind of um specific areas where they feel perhaps they're lacking in terms of skills in terms of skills or in terms of the type of sectors that they operate in well both i suppose i mean just in general in order for them to continue being taken seriously are yeah. there particular areas where they need to be improving well i i do think it is being able to advise that mm. is the main that is the main skill that's come out as the one that has massively increased over the last year and don't forget that over the last few years companies have been really careful about their hiring um sometimes they don't give enough budget to comms function sometimes mm-hmm. they decide to hire somebody slightly more junior than is required to frankly be cheaper mm-hmm. um so is that was was that cheap hire 2 years ago now going to be able to continue to advise and really bring and continue the value of the communications function Mm-hmm. So I think there are some companies that are now reevaluating their structure and their teams and seeing if they need more senior expertise to come into that function to mm-hmm. be able to be 
a trusted advisor. But at most people, this has been a fantastic career development for them. Mm -hmm. If you are, let's say, a senior comms manager and suddenly you are really working with the C-suite and elevating your position, that has been fantastic for many people. They've, been, they've really learned, they've developed their skills and they've, they've done it. Mm -hmm. So they've got to continue that. Um, and I have seen that there are some companies who are who are reevaluating the resources um, and looking to supplement the team. Mm. Um, same on the consultancy side. I think consultancies do need to be resourced at a senior level, uh, particularly on the strategic advisory side, also on the internal communication side. Mm. That really stuck um, struck me as an area that is in high demand. Mm. And a lot of agencies do not focus on that. Mm. There are some, absolutely, that are seen as employee engagement experts, internal comms experts, but that's a minority. Mm -hmm. So maybe what we need to see this year mm. is starting to hire internal comms experts actually in agencies to support their clients. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think there are some internal comms specialists, although in, in this part of the world, in Asia, there aren't that many and within the the more generalist agencies you don't see um, a huge amount of internal communications expertise which has always led me to believe that it's not an area where uh, agencies see huge demand um, from clients well the ones that do have it mm. I see them as being very busy Mm. So I think there is the demand. And actually, when I was interviewing heads of comms, even heads of internal comms, they were saying that they would benefit from agency support if only mm. they had the internal comms expertise in those agencies, which they don't at the moment. Mm. So I do think we'll see a change in that. Mm. Do you think is it is another challenge there that agencies perhaps are unable to find the, the level of resource and expertise that's required? to support clients? Potentially. Mm. Um, you know, one could argue that to gain really great internal comms experience, you would have been doing that role in-house. Mm. If you're in-house, do you want to come to a consultancy? Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. um, will you be able to adapt in an agency um, suddenly working on numerous clients rather than potentially one? There's all these issues that we face year after year, Aaron, to be mm. fair about the move from in-house to consultancy. Um, so I, I, do, I do think there are people out there, uh, but it may be harder for agencies to secure them because those internal comm specialists would prefer to work in-house. Mm. Okay. Um, so let's talk about working from home because okay. <laughs> that seems to be the, the biggest cultural change, I suppose, of the past 12 months. Um, we, we talked last year about how in Asia, uh, you know, flexible working is still, um, still something of a challenge. You still had many, many business cultures that didn't necessarily trust uh, their staff to work at home, you know, you have the, the, this notion of presenteeism, where if someone isn't in the office, then they're not working. Now, all of that has changed, of course, over the last 12 months. Um, how difficult 
do you think that has been for agencies and for in-house comms departments? Very difficult. Hmm. If you're in communications, it is not the norm to sit at home and not be with your team or your clients. So I think it has been very, very challenging for people. There are, of course, huge benefits from working from home, like you just mentioned, about the flexible working that lots of people want. Um, we've proven that you don't need to be chained to your desk and in the office to be successful in your work. But this, but in a communications environment, you just miss things if you're mm. sat at home all the time. So I definitely think um, there are conversations that are missed. Um, you have to work so much harder with your team if they're all remote. So it's put a lot of pressure on leaders to really mm. engage the team. Mm -hmm. But they, I think they've done great at it. I mean, there's been lots of really positive stories about how teams have come together remotely. Having said that, I think there's a real desire for a lot of people just to get back to normality or whatever that's going to look like for us, but certainly to have some time with their teams, with their friends in the office, particularly, mm. obviously, if you're starting out your career in comms. And as we know, it's a very young industry. Um, it, it's not what you want to be sat at home with your family trying to work. You, you've gone into PR, you've gone into communications because you want to have that social interaction with people. You want to be brainstorming with people. You want to share ideas. And that's been dampened and that's been challenging for people. Mm. Yeah, so the report shows that the biggest challenge was team management. So providing job security, managing staff mental health, keeping the lights on in the business. Um, Absolutely. You mentioned... Uh, the, the mental health challenge. We'll come back to that in a second. Before that, I wanted to ask you, how do you see the, um, the future of work developing for agencies and in-house departments? Is, is it going to be hybrid as usual from, from here on out? I think so. There are yeah. definitely some agencies that have returned in full and mm. are trying to keep that going as much as possible. It still allow people to work from home if they prefer it, but I think the majority have preferred to actually be in the office. But mm. I do think moving forward, it will absolutely be a hybrid model. We had some in-house functions that don't anticipate ever going back into the office. Really? Um, but I, yeah. Um, mm. okay. And there are some companies that just don't see it being a problem that teams are at home, you would mm -hmm. have a choice of going into the office, but it's certainly not um, requested. Um, mm. Agencies, I think, are just a little bit different. I do think there'll be a lot of people that would be preferred to be in the office. But absolutely, everyone is offering a hybrid model. Mm. I, I suppose there's a cost factor here as well we have to bear in mind, whether on the in-house or agency side. I think businesses are waking up to or have woken up to the savings they can make um, yeah. and that they have made already in many cases. So I presume that's also driving the shift um, towards a hybrid model, even if it's not, not necessarily always, as you've outlined, not necessarily the best approach for the team, um, although many would argue it is. Uh, but I do think that you know, we're hearing about agencies, for example, that they're, they're all kind of relinquishing space, looking at different options in terms of where they base themselves, looking to get out of leases, 
Uh, real yes. estate costs are, as you know, they're they're kind of you know after staffing, it's the it's the, the the second biggest fixed cost. So, I suspect that's at play to a certain extent. I expect it's a factor. I don't believe for one minute agencies are asking people to work from home because they want to save costs on their office. I just mm-hmm. can't see it. It's not that type of environment. Mm-hmm. It's an environment where people need to be together. They need to come up with creative ideas for their clients. So I'm sure they'll be glad if that means they can reduce their real estate cost. But it's mm-hmm. certainly not a driver for making their staff work from home. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, but let's see. The holding groups have, I think, moved pretty aggressively, in, in some cases at least, to, uh, to downsize. Um, sure. I'm sure the networked agencies, it's a huge mm. factor for them. They've also moved teams into, you know, all together into one office as opposed to having several offices. But they're still in an mm. office. But if you were um, in a much smaller boutique type consultancy, I really haven't seen agencies yeah, thinking, no. hey, this is great. Let's reduce the cost and everyone can work from home. It, 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 mm. It's just not going to be uh, the future. Well, it's interesting, I think, that you know, you saw uh, Weber and Golan recently came out and said, you know, their their staff it's going to be hybrid. I think in Golan's case, they shut, they're shutting their West Coast US offices right. uh, completely, and so people will it'll be a mixture of working um, at home and in kind of co-working hubs. They mentioned, you know, maybe yeah. working in museums or warehouses, things like that. So, you know do they even need an office that that seemed to be their thinking it's, it'd, it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out as well yeah and, and maybe we'll have that i think there's definitely been a shift from uh actual offices owned by the company to co-working spaces a hundred percent there's been lots of that in hong kong and singapore and i yeah. think that will continue um mm. but i think whether it's an office whether it's a museum you just need to get individuals together to be yeah. collaborating and having that creativity. Yeah. Um, you just cannot get that if you're all sat at your kitchen table at home. Yeah, no, I think the pure virtual model is not going to prove that popular. That seems to be the, no. the idea. Although the, the, there, you know, there are these sort of virtual agencies that are purely virtual, um, but that's a lot of work. Uh, and and I'm uh, running a, a remote business myself. I can tell you it's a lot of work. <laughs> being sure. purely virtual so let's talk about the challenges inherent in terms of remote working uh number one what is the mental health impact that you've seen and, and how did this come across in in the the research and the interviews you conducted i think people's mental health has of course been impacted but that's been impacted due to the pandemic mm-hmm. the stress the concern about loved ones, families, peers, colleagues, etc. Um, mm. The concern about job security to a certain extent. Um, I don't feel that's connected to working from home. I think working from home at times is a fantastic health benefit anyway. Mm. I, so I think the mental health of people is just the monotony. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of boredom. There's huge amounts of fatigue. I mean, people are just on back-to-back Zooms. Mm. Um, they, I, you know, I don't know. I think initially 
everyone thought, wow, working from home, okay, this could be really good for me. Mm. And then suddenly you are just sucked into meeting after meeting after meeting, staring at people on a screen uh, all day. And that has absolutely taken its toll on people's mental health. Mm. Was there anything you gleaned from the research in terms of how agencies and comms departments are addressing this challenge? Uh, and um, perhaps, perhaps in ways that you hadn't seen before? I think people are trying to be really, really creative about using different channels to communicate with people. Mm. Um, so it is more, I think it's more, more contact with individuals, but for less time. Mm. So shorter periods of time are more frequent rather than let's have one massive big meeting and then you're not going to hear from me for another month. It is a lot more frequent conversation or communication across a range of channels. Um, and as I said, that has been harder for leaders to really keep engaged with their teams. Um, and of course, you've got the, 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 the social side that they've been trying really hard with. You know, we've had the Zoom karaoke's and the bar drinks and sending staff, uh, you know, gifts, mm. um, care tiny package. little things, but just, yeah, care packages, exactly. Just something to show that they're thinking of them. Mm. Um, a lot more check-ins just to say, are you okay? Um, yeah. And also when the answer is no, I'm not okay, that's fine. Take time out. You know, mm. I think people have been a lot more really tuned into checking if their staff are actually okay. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone's dealing with this in a different way. Um, I think our comment about leaders, leaders are having to deal with their own mental health and their staffs. And that's mm. a hell of a lot to take on. Um, trying to really work with teams that are really unhappy um, is challenging. Um, but I, I, I get the sense that people are doing okay with it. And as soon as people can move into back into the office and have that team camaraderie, the better. As I think that's what's been missing. I don't think there's any brand new tricks that companies have been carrying out. It's just using all the channels that we have um, in the right way at the right time and being more consistent than leaving people alone and not talking to them for a while. Mm. Have you noticed perhaps a changing style of leadership at all um, as a result of some of these trends and, and drivers? Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're hearing yes. more about the more empathetic CEO. Do, do, do you see that? Uh, Definitely. Of, you know. Definitely. I think we've all, we're all human. Mm. You can see that people are human. You're going to have conversations with your boss and the boss's kids are going to fly past or come and say, mummy, what about this? Can I have that? It's just been that more, your leader is actually human too. Your leader has children, your leader has a personal life and you're seeing more of that. Mm -hmm. So there's, I think people are seeing their bosses and their leaders in a lot more humane way than ever before. Um, and I think that's also the same with clients. I've definitely been dealing and um, speaking to a lot of agency heads whose relationship with their client is just different. It's just, again, it's a lot mm. more, I don't know if relaxed is the right word, but what you, you're just seeing them in a different light. Yeah, more human, um, less, less transactional yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. So leaders, I think that the ones that are really doing well are the ones that are very empathetic with their staff are the ones that really are engaging with them, are able to keep them going, are able to encourage and support from afar. Mm. Um, those are the leaders that are being very successful. Um, I do think we're going to have movement this year in 2021. I do think there's an element of even though those individuals have been engaged, maybe, you know, maybe being able to step up a lot more, give that strategic advisory, build their career in that way, develop their skills. I think there still is an element of boredom and fatigue mm. and they will just want a change. Now that mm. change will probably be, I just need to go work somewhere else. I just need to work with different people. I just need to do something else. Mm. Um, particularly bearing in mind that there's very little for individuals, let's say in Hong Kong and Singapore, um, due to the restrictions still. Mm. So, Individuals are just keen to do something different. And I think that's going to result in job moves. Mm. I, I've noticed a lot of movement on the in-house front. I don't know if this is just um, business as usual. I, I, is it something you've noticed? I think there have been more firms hiring, mm. um, which I'm hoping is a sign of additional resource. Okay. I think there are individuals that, yeah, have stayed in-house for a long time anyway. As you know, people stay in in-house positions a lot longer than they do in consultancy. And I think, again, they're just like, God, I just need a change. Mm. Um, there are obviously individuals that are clinging hold of their jobs. Um, they, you know, they really do want to make sure that they keep them. They have commitments. They know that if they leave, maybe it's not going to be as easy for them to get a job, particularly if they're an expat and they don't have Chinese language skills. As you know, that's still such a massive drive at the moment. Um, so some are moving, but some are absolutely not. They're holding on. Mm. And how have you seen the past 12 months impacting talent development? Um, because certainly from from the outside it would look like it's harder to develop careers when you know we're kind of stuck in this uh i wouldn't say i mean it, not it's not a static but you know it's almost like people are running in motion a little bit uh in mm. running in place sorry a little bit um have, have you is, is that kind of on the back burner now and does it does it need to be uh does it need to be given higher priority as we move into 2021? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the reason why people leave jobs predominantly is because they're not trained or developed and they don't think they're growing. Mm -hmm. So if firms don't try and develop their talent, they will leave. And they're going to leave even more this year, I think, as I said due to my previous comment about this mm. general fatigue and needing a change. So companies have got to prioritise developing their staff internally. And particularly, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you are now required to really deliver strategic advisory to your clients, you need to upskill your current teams. Mm -hmm. um, so there has to be huge priority. I've heard a mixture of companies that think now that they're predominantly working remotely, training has been easier because no longer mm. are they just training the Singapore office. They're actually training the Singapore office, the Korea office, the Japan office, the Hong Kong office, mm. all at once because everyone can, know, can deal with, can participate, sorry, in a, tra in a training program virtually. 
Um, obviously, what concerns me a little bit is there's an element of you just copy your boss. You watch your boss in action. You see how they talk to that client. You see how they deal with the media. That's how you learn. You learn on the job. You learn by um, working with individuals that are at your level, but also more senior. And that's how you develop your skills. There's going to be an element of that that's just gone, isn't there? Just mm -hmm. simply because your boss is sat at home and you're sat at home. So yeah. that's the bit that worries me a little bit. And will that slow up people's promotions? Will that slow down people's career trajectory? Um, so I think firms need to work really, really hard to make sure they still develop their teams and still engage them so that they don't leave. Mm. But as you know, training and development has never seemed to be a massive priority with mm. businesses. When we've done our research over the years, this is our 10th year of delivering the State of the Industry Report. Mm. And over the years, training and development has never been as successful as it should. Mm. It, it, it goes, you know, clients, clients take priority. Key mm. stakeholders take priority. And sadly, training and development does go down uh, the list of importance but mm. I do hope that this year people will really see that if they don't upskill if they don't develop their talent there's going to be huge problems mm. and then finally how do you see um, the market in terms of people moving um, and I suppose uh, how has that been for yourself um, you know running a recruitment consultancy Sure. So as I said, I do think there's going to be movement. We mm. are definitely having conversations with a lot of potential candidates that do just want to change this year and want to move on. Um, I think it's going to be hard for firms to differentiate themselves. So if you think about it before, certainly with agencies, you had to be really clear about why you were different to another agency, why they should join you as opposed to your competitor. And I think mm -hmm. when everyone's working from home um, or a lot of that's taking place, you know, it's not so clear on the culture, for example. And I think when, you're, when people are looking to move jobs in a consultancy, they are very focused on who is their leader going to be? Who, is, who are their bosses? What are the people like? What's the culture like? And that might be a little bit harder to sell, for want of a better word, to a potential employee. Mm. Um, so I do think uh, firms need to work, need to continue to work at, you know, what is their USP? Why are they better than their competitors? How are they going to attract staff? Um, same with in-house as well. Uh, as you know, in-house tends to be a more favorable place. People still mm -hmm. want to go in-house rather than consultancy. So I think um, historically most uh, in-house functions have found it relatively straightforward to hire staff. In terms of us as recruiters, um, obviously, as you know, co companies are doing a lot more direct recruitment um, with, the, with the likes of LinkedIn. There are certainly companies that are hiring staff directly without coming to a recruiter. Um, but we are getting positions. We are getting the jobs that are really hard to fill. That has always been the case, to be fair. Mm. And there are difficulty in finding individuals for some roles and those are where we're certainly brought in and that's not just at the senior level that's at the junior level so we are seeing opportunities from junior you know like a account manager I would say right up to mm. uh, MD level 
both of which can be equally as demanding and difficult to fill. Um, and those are the positions that we're getting. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, our expertise in this sector means that we're really well placed to provide guidance um, and clarity for people who are considering a move. And also, we're able to partner with HR departments to really help them support um, their recruitment, their onboarding, their training. Um, so quite often an HR or a talent acquisition function still requires us to help them. They can't fill all the roles themselves. They do mm. reach out to us. Do you um, see, sorry, do you see any change okay. in that balance, particularly in Asia where in-house is perceived as being a, a more desirable destination compared to agency? Has that changed at all? I wish it had, but I, I don't think it has. Um, mm. I think that, look, there's an element of people, if they've worked in agency for a long time, they want to try something else. They want in-house. That's totally understandable. You know, I think when I'm recruiting very senior positions, what are my clients looking for? They're probably looking for somebody who's experienced in being a journalist, being in the media, being in a consultancy and being in-house. That mm. is like the key package. So if somebody hasn't got in-house experience, they do need that for their career and for their CV and to progress and to learn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm. But I do feel that people overall prefer an in-house position and obviously now um there's you know there is a lot of pressure on um people in consultancies at the moment you know i think they're they're working really hard um they are having to really build and develop business and sometimes the concern is that if i go in-house if i'm in-house why would i want to go to a consultancy how will I be able to develop a business when I haven't done it before? So sometimes those are issues. Mm. Um, but in-house individuals tend to stay in-house. Sometimes I do find it hard to try and convince them to either go back to consultancy or try consultancy. Mm. Okay. Well, I suppose the, the general trend is that every, people are rethinking a lot of things. Um, they are. And... As you said, that may well signal more movement. Maybe, maybe hopefully it will uh, result in people rethinking the idea that, that in-house is, is a far more desirable destination compared to, compared to the agency world. Um, yeah, I'm potentially. Sure it's different in the UK, though, isn't it, compared to Asia? I think that, that balance is a little, it's a little less pronounced, perhaps. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. I think... Your point, though, about people rethinking, I think this pandemic has definitely made people reevaluate what they're doing, mm. make sure that they're doing things that they're genuinely happy doing. Um, obviously, we've seen lots of relocation to home countries, potentially, um, due yeah. to the fact that they've been stuck, literally stuck in Singapore or Hong Kong and haven't been able to see their um, their family. So yeah. there is definitely a lot of discussion around, right, is this right for me? Where do I need to be? Yeah. Um, as you know, we launched our mentoring program uh, during the pandemic. And I think people really valued working with a mentor to really think these things through. Um, and I've also launched our um, coaching business at Prospect. I mm -hmm. trained about six years to be an executive coach. Um, and now I'm finding that a lot of individuals in mm. comms are coming to me 
to get career coaching to really make sure that they're on the right track mm. um, because people's priorities have changed absolutely yeah. yeah that's a really good point I, I could certainly see more demand for coaching um just as people just try and perhaps just find more satisfaction right i think it's this this whole year has just yeah. been a reminder to people that the 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 conventional work treadmill is is maybe not um all it's cracked up to be <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right excellent well emma thank you so much for your time um some really interesting results from hopefully a unique year i don't think we want another 12 months like the one uh, we just lived through um but let's very, yeah let's hope not very very much worth reading i recommend you all to get your hands on the state of the industry reports on the prospect uh resourcing website uh it's definitely worth reading um so yeah take care and, and stay safe thank you thanks so much aaron been listening to the provoke podcast brought to you by provoke media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers support for this podcast comes from notified the integrated intelligent and easy to use pr software get a free demo today at notified.com